There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode 11 of season 4 of The Magicians. Ooh, okay, this is weird. It was cool. We got, uh, we got somebody from so many other shows that we watch. Yes. Yeah, nice to know Dr. Leakey changes, but you know, <laughs> hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like this version much better. Yes. <laughs> Kind of weird, but, you know, much, much more palatable. So we have ratings news before we get into all that. Yes, episode 11 brought in a 0.16 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.505 million viewers, making it the 35th rated cable show for the day. We have Live Plus 7 for episode 9. It tied for 13th in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, going from a 0.2 to a 0.4 for an increase of 100%. It was 19th in viewers' total gain, going from 0.5 to 1.127 for an increase of 0.627 million viewers, which tied it for fourth in viewers' percentage gain with an increase of 125%. Nice. Very. And episode 10 tied for 13th in adults 18 to 49 total gain, going from a 0.2 to a 0.5 for an increase of 0.3 which tied it for 8th in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, increasing by 150%. It was 18th in viewers total gain, going from 0.517 to 1.224 million viewers, for an increase of 0.707, which made it 5th in viewers percentage gain, increasing by 137%. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, people are watching, just nobody's been watching live. Yeah. <laughs> At least more people are watching live plus seven than live, that's for sure. Yeah, that's sure what it seems like. And it may have something to do with synopsis, like this one, yeah. for episode 11, the 411. The gang talks to a book. Tick threatens to drink some water. Really? You guys are killing me. Yeah. All right. Let's start with... Oh, it's like Team Apartment right now. Team Break Bills. The 411 begins with Margot back at Marina's place, which apparently is their place now. I love it because she's recounting her quest in the desert with the axes. And we we come up with, that's when I told the foreskin, welcome to the new desert order. It's going to suck for you. (laughs) And she introduces her axes, sorrow and Sorrow. Marco, I love you. And then Julia walks in. Hey, what's the deal with the axes? Oh, let me tell you the story again. And she did it the same, a little less enthusiastic. But, you know, she thought she was funny, of course. You know, welcome to the new Desert Order. And then Penny comes in. Hey, what's with the axes? It's like a really bad version of Groundhog's Day. Yes. And then she's just getting kind of irritated. And she's like, fine, I'll tell it again. 
And then Alice comes in and she's like, you know what? What do you guys take it? I'm done. I'm going to go get a smoothie. And I thought that was funny because she's like all excited. Like, yeah, look what I did. Then it's like, ah, damn it. I'm tired of the story now. Right. I felt like that was one of them that she would have recounted over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. I could see her telling her grandchildren this story a million times. Oh, but yeah, apparently she got tired of it real fast. But they're trying to figure out if these bottles can possibly hold the monster. It's like, well, you know, I guess. Alice pops up with if there's an incorporate bond, the bottles could, you know, strengthen them and maybe help hold them, you know, like a paperweight. Well, that was Penny's two cents. It's like, yeah, that's great. But who can do one strong enough? Well, Alice is like, well, you know, Mayakovsky was under one for years. Down at Breakbill South. Yeah. Ah, so we're getting a little bit more information. So she just pops on over to see Ding Fog. I love how she's just going everywhere, just like, whatever, nobody's going to see me. Right. Well, Fog does see her and explains that he can't cast that spell. Or he can, I'm sorry. But he didn't write it. Mayakovsky wrote it. And you really need somebody who writes really good in corporate bonds. Why would he do one? That doesn't make sense to me. Why would he do one that would hold him? I like, think it was because of some of the stuff Mayakovsky was doing with the uh, students at Break Bills. Ah. He did have that one little... Uh, oh, the tryst. Yeah. It so wasn't yeah. just one, but yeah. Yeah, I think that that is why Fogg cast it and pinned him to Break Bills South so he couldn't do that type of stuff anymore. That makes sense. And, hey, wait a second. Last we seen Mayakovsky, he was a bear. Very true. No longer. Because when Magic returned, he became human. Or no, he became human when Magic disappeared. And then when Magic returned, he went to Breakville South, where the first years go. But when Magic was super limited, apparently some of the first years didn't make it there. Right. That's kind of messed up. Very. I mean, come on. They know what they do. That doesn't make sense for them to cut it off, but I'm guessing that's a bridge we'll come to. Right. Can't you see riding on one of those giant eagles and then having it just disappear from underneath you and you falling to your death into the ocean? All right. Uh, yeah, because they Not were Not a good both- look. No, but they were all turned into geese. Right. And that's just messed up. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for the... First years, we hardly knew you. Oh, wait, we didn't know you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back at the loft, our little team discusses the predicament, but ultimately they figure they have to talk to Mayakovsky. So Penny travels Alice and Quentin down, even though neither of them wanted to be alone together with the other. Right. And when they get there, Penny's like, oh, it's cold. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he just leaves them. It's kind of messed up. Just a little. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. How is Quentin going to message him that, come get us? Right? Apparently, I don't know, cell phones. I don't know if they'll work down there, but something's got to work. there's <laughs> cell service down there. But yeah, there's yeah. got to be something that will trigger Penny to come back to get him. Just right. don't know what. Well, they had a really awkward moment, of course, being alone with each other. But... That kind of gets thrown to the wayside because all of a sudden there's blood and they end up finding Mykovsky passed out on the floor. Thinking and they wake that him he's up. drunk. Right. 
course, that would make sense. Or that somebody popped in and attacked him with all the blood. Right. But he doesn't know where he is. And with the notes that are all around the room, well, Alice figures out that Mayakovsky created a spell to let his current consciousness swap places with one in the future. But it turns out that his future self had dementia. Yeah. That didn't help. No. (laughs) Not at all. But more than likely it was a mistake because a few numbers were inverted and there's no way to reverse it. So great. Now what? The only thing they can come up with is Quentin will have to talk to Mayakovsky in the past, basically using the same spell. Because Alice figured out which numbers were in the wrong place. So great. Maybe. We have hope. But it could also go horribly wrong. I don't see how that could happen. (laughs) Well, we also have our library team, we'll say, in Dean Fogg's office. It's Katie, Fogg, and Zelda. And they are talking to each other that they have to steal the head librarian's, well, head of circulation book. Because it seems like Everett is doing things like hoarding and plotting to kill hedges. And this doesn't seem right. But the book is in the poison room. So there's only one way in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one semi-safe way in. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Because we know there's a way in. Just not one that we really want to see. Right. And saw somebody take a dive into it just a few episodes ago. Yeah. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, but we'll see what happens there. Right. But the only way in with protocol is two librarians to enter. And, of course, there's a way to protect yourselves going in. But that kind of worries Katie because, obviously, she's seen what happened. We've seen Penny. Yeah. But she reluctantly agrees. Oh, my, my, my. Now, let's jump back. Now, last episode, Alice had been in the mirror world. And she managed to get a book entitled The Binder. And she'd given it to Margot. I'm sorry, given it to Julia. And so now at the apartment, Margot, Julia, and Penny are trying to figure out how to even read this book. Because it looks like a bunch of weird symbols, not even hieroglyphs. Right. And suddenly Margot gets a paper cut. The book slams shut, basically like biting her hand. I'm like, what are we in Harry Potter all of a sudden? Yeah. And when they open it back up, all the weird little hieroglyphs on there are gone, but there's really faint writing. And it's like, ugh, it's in blood. And I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? Right. You have no clue why this is a blood-sucking book. Right. Are we going to get Dracula coming out of it? (laughs) Well, everything I've ever read, like, you know, if it's talking about magic and blood magic, it's super bad. Right. I'm thinking, this is not good. What's going to happen no. here? And all of a sudden, Margo's like, oh, if it wants blood, I got blood. BRB. It's like, what? What's <laughs> happening? Yeah. And she comes back and I thought I was going to die. She throws a book on the table. And all of a sudden, she's like, yeah, it's Shark Week. You can thank my uterus later. And Penny's like, is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. She had a feminine hygiene product. Sticking out, which I thought was funny. Yeah, what a bookmark. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm just telling a shark. Her shark week was more useful, I think, than anybody's. But yes. Well, apparently it was enough that suddenly the text is readable 
And Penny kind of reads it after he gets all grossed out because it's in Latin. And Julia can't cast, so obviously it's something. And then we get a really awesome special effect happen. Oh, yes. Because suddenly, you know, there's an arm coming out from between the pages. And next thing we know, an entire person comes out of the book and then reaches in, grabs a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> and we get a really weird, like, third person kind of, I don't know, speech. The binder stood before them. And as they stared, eyes full of wonder, the binder thought to himself, took you long enough. <laughs> you go, oh, no. Matthew, this is a Eureka right? <laughs> version. <laughs> I'm going to love this. I thought it was really cool, but I'm like, why is he talking that way? I'm like, how long has he been in there? Is he really a person? Right. You know, of course, I had like all these questions, which we kind of got answers to, but not super clear. No. <laughs> He definitely left it uh, open to interpretation. Yeah. So we pop back to the library and we have Zelda and Katie down and they're headed to the poison room. And I like the way they did Katie. I don't know what it is with them and doing like the uh, victory curls. Right. Why Why they seem to do that on so many of the women in the library. It's like it's not, not the 1950s. but No, it's the 30s and 40s. And kind yeah. Of like, is that huh. when it was? Yeah, why is that so the the popular thing? And it's like, well, maybe that was what they were wearing when they became librarians, and it kind of stuck. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I kind of dig it, but it's weird at the same time. But anyway, they're like, okay, we can get in there because Everett's at a meeting. Oh, crap. He's not at a meeting. No. And Zelda's like, can I talk to you? I thought you were at a meeting. He's like, I snuck out. And so they go and have a little discussion in his office. And I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like anybody noticed Katie because she's just going about her business. Right, yeah. And Everett didn't even take a second look at her. Like, oh, she just must be a new librarian. And Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel. I'm nervous. Yeah. I feel like Katie's going to snap at somebody. <laughs> Quit looking at me. I don't know. Let's head back and talk to the binder, shall we? All right. At Marina's Julia, Penny, and Margot listen as the binder continues to speak in third person, much to Margot's dismay, about his knowledge of Julia and her powers. Of course, he starts to tell his story, but passes out, just managing to say his book is missing pages. So Penny opens the book and discovers there are pages ripped out, and all of a sudden, there's this shadowy figure heading upstairs. So, of course, Margo gets up to investigate. Now, does Margo see the shadowy figure because of her fairy eye, or she's the only one who caught it because of where she was in the room? I think it was more that she was the only one in the room that was able to catch it, just from where she was sitting. Okay. More than her fairy eye. Of course, she goes into the room, and there's flower petals spread everywhere. Like a weird honeymoon suite. Exactly. And, of course, when she steps in, the doors close behind her, the curtains shut, and there's a floating bottle, which... That hits her. Knocks her over <laughs> the back of the head. There goes that honeymoon suite idea. Yeah. Some weird caveman version. <laughs> And so we head over to Team Fillory, where Josh rushes to High King Finn and Tick, describing a vision he had of himself on a TV show set 
for his own baking show. All right, Josh. Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) And Ticken Fan believed that the winds of fate arrived early in addition to several other odd happenings. And Josh concludes that there's something wrong with Fillory's ecosystem. Something's got to be wrong in Fillory. There's no doubt about that. And Tick recalls an imprisoned naiad mentioning the ecosystem, so they go and talk to her. Yeah, she didn't seem too happy. No. And Josh is just slightly terrified. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> naiad did not look friendly. <laughs> I love it. Anybody else get like a ring grudge vibe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Tick's just like, what do you expect? She's a naiad. It's like, Obviously, things in books where we're from do not say that naiads are creepy, crazy-looking people. Right. She finally agrees to explain that the problems are due to the 13th, who tried to capture naiads and damn the water, but refuses to say any (laughs) more. Even though Tick was really getting into throwing holy water on her. So we head back to the South Pole... And find Allison Quentin reviews the details of sending him to his earlier self's body, with Alice giving him a lecture over the importance of Q not doing anything to affect the future. Yeah, like, she's really going to do something like that. Right? Sure, no big deal. Mildly annoyed with her, he steps onto the table and casts the spell. So, present Q is sent to the past self, while past Q inhabits his current body. This can only go wrong in so many ways. (laughs) So, present Q is dressing in his room at Breakbill South when Alice enters his room and kisses him, climbing on top of him and stripping. What was this about uh, not wanting to be there with him? Yeah. Of course, he pushes her away and quickly leaves under the excuse of forgetting condoms, which we see are lying on the nightstand. We... Check in on past Quentin in present Q's body, and he questions present Alice over why he is suddenly in the lab. She thought quick, though. Yeah, there's no more magic left for her to cast her spell, so she hastily tells him that Mayakovsky transported them to the lab for tests. In spotting ropes, she tells him they must tie all the ropes into knots. He complies and kisses her on the head as they begin. And you go, okay, how were these two going to handle this (laughs) we cut back to the team library who we see zelda and katie stuck in the library and calling fog for help so to create a distraction he goes into a class of first years and proceeds to cast a cloaking spell which of course is something that the library does not allow in other words create a distraction right i love that he does it just Drunk off his ass, too. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, Zelda and Everett discuss the librarian's perfume in his office as another one arrives to inform Everett of Fogg's rule-breaking. Zelda takes the poison room key before exiting the office. We go back to the apartment where Penny and Julia enter the flower-petal-covered room looking for Margot. Yet again, the doors close, the blinds draw shut, and several candles suddenly light as romantic music plays. Not quite the greeting uh, Margot got. Hmm. No, partially, but no, not quite. (laughs) And a tied-up Margot falls out of the closet, exclaiming that a weird-ass ghost tied her up and that she can see him with her fairy eye, 
but cannot hear what he's saying. Oh my god, she was funny. She's like, I said I can see you, not hear you. (laughs) So, of course, Penny astral projects and sees Hyman, who says he and Penny 40 bonded. Yeah, who's buying that story? And they became his favorite characters. And when Magic disappeared, he left Break Bills to find them and discovered he can now become objects. Oh, really? Took a while. Yeah, Penny demands the missing binder pages back when he realizes Hyman took them to hopefully advance Penny and Julia's romance. Yeah, I don't know how you think that's going to work, but mm, I don't think that's a thing. No, don't think so. But you never know. Check back with Team Fillory and having researched the 13th King and discovered, discovering he is stricken from all records, Finn and Josh return to the Nyad's jail cell demanding answers. And here we get to see Tick torturing her with the holy water, which was hilarious. They actually had to stop him several times. <laughs> Tick was just going to town. Yeah, then Tick's just like, mm, this is good. She's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and when she explained it, because I'm like, okay, is she just throwing a fit because she sees him drinking water and she lives in water? But she's like, how would you feel if your blood lived outside your body and people used it for crops and just drinking and go to the bathroom? And I'm like, oh, God, I yeah. didn't think about it that way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. And then we get this great revelation from Finn, who remembers the name Roderick from a Florian children's game called Bear Skip. Thirsty Roderick, 13th of his time, always liked to have a good time. And the rhyme also mentions cisterns, and Josh hypothesizes that the naiad means the movement of magic rather than water to underground reservoirs. Man, Josh just isn't getting enough credit for how much he is just on top of his game in this season. He is. This storyline was actually much bigger than I expected. Yeah. And sure enough, a large pool of magic under the castle may be responsible for the strange happenings. Oh, while they kind of figure that part out, we'll go back to Breakville South, where, and this is funny, (laughs) because you got to stay with me here. Yeah. Yeah. President Quentin in the past asking past Mayakovsky about in corporate bonds. And although he's like, why are you asking me these questions? Shouldn't you be off having sex? Right. Thanks for that, Mayakovsky, but <laughs> I have a damn question. Right. It's not relevant. You don't need to know. Your brain's too small. You don't need, you know what? Listen, just tell me what's going on. And Mayakovsky's like, hmm, something's different. Yeah. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> you aren't you. Which I thought was really interesting that he was able to work that out so yeah. quickly. <laughs> exactly. And of course, my cops was like, well, what's your discipline? What? I don't know. I never got, got any information. My cops, he's like, hmm, here, you'll need this. And throw him a bottle of alcohol. It's like, huh? Because then he pulls out a device to begin working. So what's going to happen? You know, these are the questions I'm having as I'm watching. It's like, why is Mayakovsky not being a total jackass? Right. Not saying he's not one, but he's not 100% one right this minute. Right. Yeah, this is the nicest we've seen Mayakovsky ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a momentary break where we go back to the library 
and Katie and Zelda are outside the poison room where Zelda's like, oh, wait, here's the protection. Um, drink this down. It has to be whole. It's like, wait, what? what is? It's ew, moving. what is that? <laughs> Katie's like, uh, are those? And she's like, yeah, bugs. Oh, yeah, don't chew them because they'll absorb the poison in your bloodstream. They only last about an hour. Oh, like just, I know it wasn't real. But, but yeah. Because I'm like going, oh, yeah. why? <laughs> this creep me out. So we pop back down to break Bill South. And this is when we have President Quentin in the past, face down on the desk with Mykowski over him. And he pulls the device out of Quentin's ear and takes notes. And Mykowski knows that Quentin's consciousness is from the future. Well, yeah, thanks for figuring all that out. That's not what I needed to know. Right. And why would you think I would do this unless I needed to know something? Right. There's some, <laughs> you know, big shit going down. Just give me information. So my coffee's like, well, I must have finished the spell because that's how you're here. All right, fine. So he writes down the incorporate bond spell for Quentin and dismisses him. And I love that it because it's like, okay, fine, here. I'm thinking, how is he going to take that? So he's got to stash it somewhere. Right. And before he leaves, though, he's like, what? What is my discipline? And my cops, he's just like, repair small objects. Oh. So he's just a trait. I mean, he's not like this crazy big magician. He can just fix stuff. It's like, I mean, it's a useful trade. Don't get me wrong. Right. But definitely not what Quentin was hoping for. That's for sure. Yes. He seems very disappointed. Yes. And it gets a little worse because past Alice was eavesdropping. Yeah. <laughs> So she wants to know what the hell is going on. Especially what's happening with their relationship. And she's like, I'll give you a memory charm. Yeah, you can just like erase what you told me. But I need to know. It's like, wow, this is bad things. Yeah. Because I was wondering what this was going to mean. Right. Yeah. How this would affect the future. Because this is what Alice told Q not to do. Right. So he agrees to tell Alice that... Bad things happen to both of them. And she's like, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't. But when you go back, remember that, okay? And she erases the me her memory. And right when this is happening, we have in the now past Quentin talking to present Alice about Mayakovsky. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, maybe we should have sex. What? <laughs> well, that's something past Quentin would say. So they kiss, and then Alice goes to kiss him again, and then we have... The old switcheroo. <laughs> yeah, President Quentin is back in his body, and he's like, whoa, whoa, Alice, it's me. Like, <laughs> you, you can stop pretending now. It's like, oh, yeah, pretending. Awkward. <laughs> I felt so bad for her. Yeah. But it's like, I, I feel like, I don't know, Q should say something, but what do you say here? Right. Kind of weird. All right, let's go back to the apartment. Julia and Margot, who now have the missing pages, slide them into the book, and boom, the binder's back to life and telling his story. And then we get to find out all sorts of fun information. Yeah. And wow. kind of a puppet show. Yeah. <laughs> he was a librarian way back in the day, specializing in the magic of the gods. He theorized that a god's power, when killed, could be bound to an object, such as those stones that they have been finding. Yes. And then tied to a magician 
giving a magician the power of the gods. Well, I'm thinking this doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> and with the gods turning off magic when one of them is killed, the librarians have no way to test their theories. But we ended up having two mistakes made by the gods, and they were in the form of the twins, the monster and his sister. The bigger monster. <laughs> yes. They possess the power of many gods, and they can't die. So this is definitely not good. No. So the library had moved forward with their experiments on the older female sibling, and the boy, who is possessing Elliot, was left behind all alone. This is probably bad. Yeah, very. Yeah, wonder why things didn't go right, huh? Well, of course, things seemed to go from bad to worse, because the girl was split into four parts, bound to the stones, and the stones were bound to librarians, whose names you may recognize. Yeah. <laughs> Bacchus, Iris, Hecca, and Angus. Well, that's just peachy. Yeah. We just created four new gods there. And, and what, a, <laughs> what uh, a group they were. Right? But once it was all done, the new gods feared the binder's knowledge and turned him into a book. Great. A librarian read the binder's book and decided to hide it in the mirror world so this could not be done again. Right. Instead of hiding it in the poison room, he hid it in the mirror room. Yes, because I'm sure nobody will ever find it here. Right. Oh. Not quite. He did hear of Julia's predicament and tells her that he can take her in either direction. And she's like, Say what? Yeah, huh? Yes. You can become a mortal, or you can become a goddess again. After you get your answers, you can burn his book so nobody could ever use it again, especially not use it against him. Right. Which I totally get that, but then I'm kind of like, wait a second. Why does he want the book burned? What's in there? What more information is in there? I'm, of course, skeptical because, well, I've seen way too much Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> Trust anything. While we're contemplating what's happening there, we go back to the poison room, and Katie ends up finding Everett's book, and Zelda apparently was taught to speed read, because that's a perk of being a librarian. Oh, absolutely. She just so, flies through that. Yeah, it was really impressive. She's just like, zip, okay. Uh, yeah, by the way, Everett's hoarding magic, and he wants to become a god, and he'll succeed according to the book. What? Yeah. Well, this is all for not? You know, what's going on? Right. And then, of course, one person we figured we would never, ever, ever see again pops his face back up. Oh, no, no, not yet. Oh, oh well, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it wasn't until they got back to the door and couldn't get it good yeah. get out. So it turns out, yes, it's, it's, Katie and Zelda are hurrying back to the door. Katie's like, is it weird that I taste chocolate? And Zelda's like, oh, no, the more poison that you absorb, the taste changes. Which, when you taste mint, we're in real trouble. And, of course, they get to the top of the stairs, discover the door's locked from the outside. Yeah. And then Katie's like, uh, I taste mint. Great. That's all we know that happened with this group. Right. That's not good. No. You cannot kill off Katie yet. No. I'm not ready for this. No. Now, we have our team in Fillory who are in a hallway playing a game, apparently, because the hallway of the castle floor 
is identical to a bear skateboard. And Fen, Tick, and Josh are playing. And Fen is just super excited. Tick's like, why aren't you listening to anything, Josh? And Josh is like, what do I do? Oh, you get the berry. And then you get to exclaim, honey or die. So he does. It's like, okay, honey or die. Yay. And the door opens. He's like, what? what? Yeah. (laughs) Where could this possibly lead? You have a stairwell going up and down. Well, the only way to know is to go in. Yep. And off they go. And again, that's the end of their story for this episode. Not stressful at all. No. And Team Binder, we have Julia and Penny discussing her options, running through a pro and con list of each choice. Of course, Julia kisses Penny, hinting that they could try a relationship if she was human. And of course, as they make out, Darth Elliot suddenly appears. Oh, this is, I'm sure, nothing but good. Right. Because he is distressed because he tells them that his sister is dying and the body he chose was not strong enough. I need to find one that is more durable, like yours. And And poof. poof. Yeah. Julia and he vanishes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just what we don't need is to have Sister Monster in Miss Undestructible. Right? That could go wrong. A million different ways. Definitely. And I'm worried. Yeah. And then to top it all off, we are soundly back in the present and Quentin and Alice discuss his discipline and his slight disappointment. She asks him to show her and he repairs a broken cup. I feel like I helped it wake up and remember what it was before, he tells her. And yeah, she's like, oh, you are always good at these things. It's like, um, I know you're trying to be helpful, but... Yeah, just not. <laughs> yeah, no, just maybe no. Oh my gosh, so this was a really good episode, and it's just getting me like really stressed because of the way they end the episode. Oh, absolutely! Everybody's in trouble. Oh, what's gonna happen? He's disappointed and everything. You know, his he's questioning his whole life now. Especially, and this is what I thought was interesting because his mom always accused him of breaking everything. Right. So it's like, wait, how did what? That just didn't seem to add up to me. They were exactly. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get more information. Who knows? Yeah. You know how they like to dangle the carrot in front of us. Yes. Oh, but what do you guys think about the show? Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. While you're at it, if you can rate review us on iTunes and any other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show because this is an awesome show. And tell your friends or read your read the books and tell us how it is because I'm like woefully behind. I, I was reading it though. I wa- I read the first one. I started the second one and then I got sidetracked because you know squirrel. Um, don't forget to check the website www.fangirlzone.com. You can find our contact links there. I'm posting pictures for more recent cons on our Facebook page. I've been again woefully behind. On everything, because I started a new job. Yay, me. But sorry, I'm really behind on everything else. And just, I am like wowed by the way the season's going. I'm so happy that we're getting all of these different storylines. And it's not just one or two, but it also scares the crap out of me about what possibly is going to happen. I don't know about you, Steve. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel because I, I have a bad feeling where we're going oh absolutely this season is not going to end well (laughs) i'm sorry it's just not 
So for this episode of Sci-Fi Jock, I am Sean Pangalas. And I'm Steve. You don't get to be a magician my age, dear, without a very healthy sense of self-preservation. And until next time.